Full details are available on GamerHeadquarters.com, and the full video is available on YouTube SkyCaptain5. This is the Elder Scrolls Online. We're on Xbox Series X. The game is inheriting its Xbox One X enhancement. That means we're getting a native 4K resolution at 30 FPS. There is no auto HDR support or HDR support in the game. So with that enhancement, it featured upgraded shadows with screen space, ambient occlusion, upgraded water reflections, and increased view distance. And it is planned for an Xbox Series X optimization down the road, and we'll kind of follow up at that current point. I'm joined by my Elder Scrolls expert here. Hi, my name is Joelle. I've been playing Elder Scrolls for about two years now. I've done over 300 hours in the game, and in terms of completing the quest line, I'm actually only about 50% uh, there, but that's because the game has so much to offer. <laughs> yeah, so with that we're going to be first talking about kind of what's different, what's changed with, you know, on the new consoles when it comes to Elder Scrolls Online, and then also talking about the general game as well. So just to start off, you know, what, what have you observed while playing the game with, you know, on the new console? So the biggest thing with the new console is the loading times have been decreased uh, quite significantly. Uh, I was uh, playing with some friends the other night and I was always the first one to be loaded into the zone uh, and they're still on the old uh, Xbox One consoles. So it is a noticeable difference between load times, which is quite nice, helps you play more and wait less. The other thing that I've noticed is just graphically, uh, the colors are a lot brighter, but this is mostly just due to uh, the new console itself uh, versus uh, any of the upgrades. Oh, yeah, so it's just kind of presenting a little bit better. And then again, obviously, like we mentioned prior, we're going to jump back on when the Series X optimization is available. We don't really know what details or when it's coming, so that's why we decided to go ahead here and, and just do a, a look at the console at this point in time. I am guessing we're going to see 4K60, but of course, we, we don't know yet. I guess moving past that, uh, I'd like to look ahead. So what are your thoughts on the next big 2021 expansion that's going to be coming for Elder Scrolls Online? Well, the next expansion is focused on, uh, or it's called Gates of Oblivion, and it's going to be uh, looking at the storyline very similar to Oblivion or Elder Scrolls IV. So your main opponent is going to be Muris Dagon, which is one of the Daedra. Uh, generally speaking, the Elder Scrolls Online game, the main storyline focuses on Molag Ball. So it's interesting that you're getting a new uh, big Daedra to face off against. We don't have a ton of information at this time. We actually, I don't think we know what areas are going to be unlocked with this new expansion or if there's going to be new areas unlocked. But it should be interesting. Whenever the universe is expanded, there's quests to do. Often there's uh, uh, gear and sets and all that fun stuff released. So it should be uh, quite interesting, and it'll be fun to go back into Oblivion. Great. So you've been playing, you know, quite a bit recently. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Greymore? Because that was the most recent expansion added to the game. Yeah. So Greymore was an awesome expansion. It uh, the big update with Greymore was the change to vampirism. So instead of you know, having all these positive things associated with it, it makes the choice to become a vampire a little bit more difficult. There are quite significant drawbacks, but you do gain new abilities. So that was a big part of the Greymore expansion. The Greymore questline was also quite interesting. It focused on the uh, Grey Host, uh, a whole bunch of vampires and werewolves, and their 
you know, looking to take over the world as people do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and nope. it's, uh, it's quite fun to be able to venture in Skyrim, especially in Solitude, uh, and seeing how similar it is structurally compared to Solitude in Skyrim uh, Elder Scrolls V. In, in Greymoor, you know, the environments, where, where did we head in that uh, expansion? So in, in Greymoor, you were able to go to Solitude and Morthal, and just recently they also released Markov. So that's another new DLC. So really, you just get to explore Western Skyrim a little bit more. Uh, Eastern Skyrim has previously been released, and that included areas such as Windhelm and the Rift. So basically, it's the, you know, upwards areas are very, like, snowy, mountainous ranges, and then you get into Markoth, which is a little bit more bright, but that is also where the Forsaken are. It's got a different feel to it, for sure, uh, Markoth, compared to um, Solitude. Okay, so I guess since we talked about the expansions, let's talk a bit about the core game. When you start out, how does that kind of work? How is class picking, you know, kind of just your starting point for those, you know, for the first time looking at playing? So if you're new to the game, the first thing you get to do is you get to choose the race which you're going to be a part of. Each race has its own um, special racial passives. Um, so depending on whether you want to be a DPS character, a healer, or a tank, the race racial passives can definitely affect your choice. But ultimately, any race can be used for any class of character. The races are also associated with an alliance. So there's three alliances. We have the Aldemary Dominion, we have the Daggerfall Covenant, and the Evanart Pact. And depending on which race you choose, um, it is associated with an alliance. And if you are in the Aldemary Dominion Alliance, let's say you begin in the Aldemary Dominion starting zone. So your quests are very specific to that alliance. Whereas if you choose a different alliance to be a part of, you're going to start in a different zone and you have a whole bunch of us associated with that alliance. Great. So I guess at that point we should talk about what's the general gist of the story you know, talk a little bit about how you do side quests or regular missions, and maybe highlight a, a mission or two that you enjoyed playing through. Elder Scrolls takes place during the Second Era, so it's roughly a thousand years before Skyrim. And it encompasses all of Tamriel, but there's still some zones that haven't been unlocked, which is cool. That way we can keep expanding and discovering more about the universe. The main questline that you follow, and this questline is non-alliance dependent, it's just the main questline. Um, basically, you are fighting the Daedric Prince Molag Bal, and he's trying to pull Tamriel into oblivion. You begin by actually being sacrificed to Molag Bal, so you actually don't have a soul, which is uh, hmm. quite fun, but it makes, uh, it makes things interesting because you can resurrect via soul gem, so... You know, never dying is kind of nice. <laughs> Immortality is a benefit. Yes, exactly. So you start off in Molog's Ball's prison, and then you have to escape. Then you meet some companions, and one of them being Lyris Titanborn. She's a really companion. Um, she's half giant, half Nord, so super cool, super badass. Lyris also is one of the main characters in the Skyrim uh, Greymoor expansion questline, which is really cool to see her in another role other than the main questline. So the Prophet, who you rescue from the prison, um, enlists your help to help uh, prevent Molagbal from, you know, taking Tamriel and pulling it into Cold Harbor, because that would really suck. 
So basically, all throughout the world, you see these dark anchors, and they will spawn usually every five or so minutes. And basically, if you see one spawn, you can go up to it, you kill his minions, and then you get like a little chest and a reward. And I think an achievement is actually to defeat all of the dark anchors in Tamriel. And there's at least three in each zone, so probably around a hundred dark anchors total, maybe a little more, but a little less. Yeah, and then so once you kind of go through that beginning process of getting sacrificed, escaping the prison, as you level up your character, you have more interactions with the Prophet and with Lyris, and you work up your way to eventually defeating Bolar Fall. While you're trying to level up, you are also doing uh, main quest lines based on the zone you are in, which again is based on your alliance. So they could be various things between helping um, like Queen Iren, uh, she has some quests for you and she's in the Aldebarri Dominion. Basically each of the Alliance leaders will have stuff for you to do and you help the leader along their way as there is a battle going on in Cyrodiil, the Three Alliance War. There are also a whole bunch of side quests so you'll you know, stumble upon people along your way and you can do these little side quests to help them out. Usually rewarded with gold, which is nice. You can buy things, craft things, all that good stuff. Some of my favorite quests are actually the side quests because they can be quite different. I know there's one in Somerset that's a murder mystery case, which was quite fun. And another side quest I did, you have, have to discover the identity of the character um, who you're working with, which is interesting. Uh, as well with side quests, there's Dells, public dungeons, and group dungeons that you can participate in. So Dells are soloable, public dungeons, sometimes it's nice to have someone with you, you can do it by yourself. And then group dungeons, you need a uh, group of four people in order to complete. Uh, if you're a high enough level, you can solo them, but generally when you're starting out uh, group dungeons, you want to have some people with you, so that way you have uh, a full group with a tank, two DPS, and a healer. Okay. I don't want to delve into too much. <laughs> no, I think that's pretty proficient for that element of it. So for fans of the series that haven't played the Elder Scrolls Online, they've played, say, Skyrim, how does, you know, this take on, well, basically the Elder Scrolls feel in comparison to a traditional single-player type of entry in the series? So a lot of the content can be done as a single-player. Like I said, all of the zone quests, side quests, delves, golems, those can all be done by yourselves. Occasionally you'll run into other players as you're venturing around, and sometimes they'll help you out, which is quite nice but it doesn't really impact your gameplay all that much. If you're looking into more PvE group content, uh, it does change quite a bit. But if you are if you love open world games and love to explore, definitely ESO is worth uh, giving a shot because there is a lot to do as a solo player, for sure. If you're interested in doing group stuff, the world expands even more. There's, I believe, least one group dungeon if not two group dungeons in some of those each of the zones so with the group dungeons you have a specific role you're either the tank which is the person who taunts the enemies and takes most of the damage you have the dps in charge of producing as much damage as they can to all of the enemies and then you have the healer who tries to keep everybody alive so these roles are very important to a dungeon because if you have all dps usually um, 
the boss mechanics will one-shot a DPS. You don't have enough health to withstand it, which is why you need it. Uh, as well, a healer is nice to have just to keep everyone alive uh, if you're not able to reliably self-heal. And as a DPS, your focus is damage rather than healing, so being able to focus, focus on doing damage instead of healing is definitely helpful. The other kind of area of gameplay that you can look into is uh, PvP, so player versus player. So Cyrodiil, as I mentioned briefly, is where the Alliance War is taking place. So depending on what alliance you're part of, if you go into Cyrodiil, you go in by yourself, but you can group up with people, and there's going to be other other players playing at the same time. So if you're a part of the Aldenmary Dominion, you are going to try to capture keeps and castles uh, as well as scrolls for your alliance. Well, there will be other players part of a different alliance, such as the Daggerfall Covenant, who are going to be doing the same. There's What's nice about the PvP is it's set up for under 50 players and over 50 players. So if you're new to the game, you can participate in PvP and learn how to play the PvP style, because it's very different from the PvE style. But there's also room for, you know, if you're experienced in PvP to play in the above 50 category. And, you know, it's very competitive and it can be quite fun. Uh, as well, there's these little mini games called Battlegrounds, which can help you with your PvP builds. Uh, and basically, they're just a whole bunch of little 10-minute games. They can be a Deathmatch or Capture the Relic. Uh, these types of games where you're focused on an objective or just killing other players. So being able to survive as well as output a lot of damage, you, you know, is a really great PvP build. Um, and it's it's different than PvE in the sense that you're focused more on one-on-one -on -one combat, whereas in PvE you're focused on doing a role, so either being a tank or being a DPS or being a healer, and you're focused on being able to handle groups of enemies versus more one-on-one -on -one combat. Great, okay, so let's talk about the world itself, the places you can go and how you travel within it. Okay, so the big, or I wouldn't say it's a big downside, but it's a little inconvenient, is unlike in Skyrim, you can't just, you know, fast travel wherever you want. In order to travel, you have to get to a way shrine. The way shrines are, you know, spaced out fairly well in the game, and usually, you know, it only takes maybe five minutes to travel between two way shrines, so they, they are, they appear quite frequently throughout the world, which is really nice. Uh, but you cannot just, uh, you know, just pick up and travel unless you want to spend some gold, which when you're at a high enough level and you have enough money, it's not a big deal. But when you're at a low level, mm. it uh, becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah, so basically, once you discover a way shrine, you can travel between that way shrine and any other way shrine you've discovered. So as a new player, sometimes it's advantageous to... Uh, get to be part of a guild or find some people to play with because if they travel to a way shrine that you haven't been to before you can travel to that player and then you will discover that way shrine and you're able to move throughout the world a little bit more easily in terms of yeah traveling it's mostly via a way shrine you can run you can ride your horse which is quite nice uh, horses you get at level 10 and then when unlocked it you get a horse for all of your other characters so once you hit that mark you are good to go and travel as fast as you want and pretty much anywhere you want to go there's also ships you can take to different destinations if you haven't been there in terms yeah. of travel 
that covers the traveling, but l let's talk a bit about the types of places you go. You know, what, what are the environments like? I know Somerset's basically a bit of a, a beach paradise. You know, what, what other kind of places? Like the swamps of, uh, is it the, the, the Murloc DLC that I'm trying to think of? Uh, you, you know, Berkmire, sorry. I'm thinking Murlocs from Fallout, anyways. Uh, you know, let's just briefly, you know, what are some nice places you like to visit in the game? Somerset is definitely a very beautiful place, uh, as well as Aradon, and these are places where the High Elves live. So the races have very specific um, environments that they live in. So High Elves live in these very, you know, open beaches with lots of luscious trees it's the architecture is very it's very beautiful very elegant whereas very very elegant yes that's the word i'm looking for whereas if you look at um the black marsh um or the Merkmire area which is where the argonians live it's you know very much swampy there's lots of water everywhere that you're running through it's 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 a marshland and then the architecture to me it looks very similar to like aztec temples hmm. so it, it's a it's a very different style and then you have areas that like the red guard live in like the alkir desert so i mean obviously it's a desert there's scorpions there's camels um, and it's very, it has a, not quite, it ha, it's not an Egyptian feel, it's more of a, like an India type feel to it. In mm. terms of the architecture, there's lots of arches and uh, domes, uh, very similar to like the Taj Mahal. It has that type of architecture. Also have places like Skyrim, where it's, you got the mountains and it's very, you know, hardy. Oh, the Nords, they're so hardy. Um, <laughs> the funny thing I found with the Skyrim is the Nords have these very thick accents. Yes. Uh, they're just, they're great too. I love them. Very, very thick uh, And accents. they live in like log cabins and that kind of stuff, uh, as well as like stone houses. Um, i trying to think if there's any other fun places. Yes, so, okay. Vardenfell, I think, is like a territory of Morrowind. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And so Vardenfell is, it's very volcanic. There's tons of lava everywhere you have it's kind of smoky ashy there's like mushrooms and stuff growing places uh as well as the wildlife is very different there you have i think guars are found in that area whereas like the black marsh you end up with a lot of lizard type creatures and then in you know aradon you have wolves and indricks and stuff like that so the type of wildlife which can sometimes be enemies differs depending on what location you are in and the just the environment is is so drastically different across the different areas and it's it's really wonderful to be able to travel between the different areas and you know live in all of these different environments great that's uh, very insightful and helpful in understanding the world of elder scrolls online uh, let's talk a bit about uh, classes and then i guess combat and do you have a favorite sort of setup that you like to roll with uh, currently my main setup is a stamblade so i have a khajiit stamina nightblade and i quite enjoy that class it's a little bit difficult it is a dps class uh it is capable of hitting quite high DPS, but the rotations are generally a little bit more difficult. Um, in terms of rotation, your DPS goes down considerably, so it you do have to be quite good to be able to um, hit high DPS with the uh, stamp blades. Uh, but basically, 
in in combat, if we're th- looking at you know DPS characters, you would have um, either a magicka based character or a stamina based character. So stamina based characters either dual wield or use two handed weapons, whereas magicka based characters use um, destruction staffs. Each race has both magicka and stamina skills. So depending on what kind of character you're going to do, you can um, choose skills that work towards that build. I also have a tank that I quite enjoy playing. Um, he is a Nord. His name is Axel, and he is very big and strong. <laughs> I like to think of him as like my my man candy. <laughs> but his build is, is completely different, right? So he his most of his uh, attribute points are in health. So he has much more health than uh, a DPS character would. And then with tanks, early, they have to have a balance between stamina and magicka as well, because um, some abilities you need, such as like chaining in enemies uh, for crowd control, use magicka, and then blocking um, requires stamina, so you have to be able to block, um, as well as shields and stuff, uh, can use a variety of magicka versus stamina. And then healers are also super fun to play. I have done a healer. I do recommend trying all the, the different types, uh, healer, tank, and DPS, and because there's so much to learn from each type. And when you play as a DPS and then try to play as a healer, you begin to appreciate how much work your healer does. <laughs> um, healers are mostly magic-based, um, as healing abilities generally focus on that. I have a Breton healer, and they're really good um, for sustain, so basically that means I am able to use the abilities and not run out of magicka very quickly, which is super nice and really helpful because that keeps your team alive. Yeah, so there's there's lots to choose from, there's lots of variety, um, so there's nine races. Of the, of the nine races, you can choose either six classes, so you have Dragon Knight, Nightblade, Sorcerer, Templar, Necromancer, and Warden. The Necromancer and the Warden are new-ish. Um, I believe Necromancer came in with Elsewhere, and I think Warden came in just before um, Skyrim, but it's uh, it's a purchase class um, via the in-game currency. Each of the classes have their unique abilities, and you can make lots of fun different builds. You can even experiment and create your own builds. Uh, I, I actually hi- highly encourage um, experimentation when you're creating your characters. And if you you know are not into experimentation, there's tons of builds online uh, to look at to help you build your character. Great. That's a nice segue into talking about uh, the extra costs of the game. We will mention that this is largely available through Xbox Game Pass and will be more so in the future since the purchase of Bethesda by my Xbox and that's going to be a big deal for covering the content in the future so we may be able to present more looks at uh, the Elder Scrolls Online so that'll be fun. But uh, mostly for you I guess, what what are the extra costs? You know, like what sort of in-game microtransactions and or memberships can you get for this? Yeah, so the in-game currency are called crowns. And basically, there's a crown store. It's just like buying things with gold, but it's crowns. And and you can purchase crowns for like actual money. Or if you have an ESO Plus membership, you get a lump sum of crowns uh, each month um, for the membership. So the great thing about the ESO membership is it gives you a crowns, so a little bit of in-game currency to 
you know, buy fun stuff such as mounts or, you know, outfits or even new, um, new classes or extra character slots, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the other great thing about the ESO Plus membership is it unlocks all of the DLC content. So if you, you know, are playing on Game Pass and you don't have ESO Plus, you're just restricted to the main areas. Whereas if you get ESO Plus, you unlock places like Somerset and I believe elsewhere is now un under there as well. Um, Rothgar, Clockwork City, all these, it, it gives you so much more to explore and enjoy. The other big thing is if you enjoy crafting, so creating weapons, armor, that kind of stuff, the ESO Plus membership gives you access to a craft bag. So basically this craft bag has unlimited space and all of your crafting material goes in it. And it's super helpful. I would almost say get the membership just for the craft bag. Um, because otherwise your inventory fills up like no tomorrow and uh, it's a it's a big pain in the butt but if you have a craft <laughs> bag it's usually no problem at all great so let's move onwards let's talk a little bit about partying character leveling you know gilding factions and, and kind of wrap that in with maybe like some end game type content which we've talked a little bit about yeah so the great thing about ESO is you can play it as a solo player but there's a lot to do with groups guilds are available lots of different types of guilds there's trading guilds there's pve guilds there's pvp guilds and basically to join a guild you can send them applications or sometimes you can just be like hey i want to join your guild and if they're recruiting people will add you to the guild uh, with guilds you're able to type via text chat and they also have voice chat uh, a guild thing so it's a great way to communicate with other players and if you're struggling on some harder content, like a world boss or a public dungeon, it's really nice to be able to hit up one of your guildmates and say, hey, can you come to so-and-so place and help me out? And generally, they're very kind and able to do that. The other thing with guilds is if you're a new player, there's usually some senior level players that are able to help you out. So they can give you advice on how to build your character or how to go about leveling your character as well as introduce you into some of the group content such as um, group dungeons or trials. So endgame content uh, is mostly trial-based or veteran dungeons. So trials are like group dungeons except way bigger. So instead of having four people, you have 12 people, usually two tanks, two healers, and eight DPS. So these are usually very challenging and um, take a while to get through, but they can be quite fun and it really it really helps you work on your skills and building your skills, which is great. Uh, veteran dungeons as well are uh, a little bit more endgame content. So basically every dungeon has a normal mode and a veteran mode. And the veteran mode just adds more mechanics, uh, gives the enemies more health, the enemies output more damage. And they also might add in some other special mechanics. With veteran dungeons, there's also achievements associated with completing the dungeon with no member dying in your group, um, finishing the dungeon within a certain time frame, and completing what's called hard mode, which just again adds more extra mechanics to it for the final boss. So those those are really fun for experienced players to try to get those achievements. Uh, I'm actually working with a group right now to work through some of the 
that DLC dungeon uh, achievements, and it's it's been quite fun. Sometimes it can be challenging. We tried to do Veteran Frost Vault, which was a, quite a difficult dungeon. It took us five hours to complete. So, mm, that's lots a lot. of room for improvements and, and lots of areas where you can challenge yourself. Uh, in terms of PvP endgame content, there's a really fun you know, challenge to become Emperor. So basically, if you're playing uh, in Cyrodiil or Imperial City, um, once you... If, if your alliance wins that week, I believe they're about a week long, the challenges, and you have the most alliance points, for out of all of the people playing in your alliance, you become the emperor for the next week, which is quite the achievement to be able to do. Um, yeah, I so think you get a nice is, gamer square bit for that too, eh? Oh yeah, I want to say less than like 0.5 percent of gamers unlock that achievement. It's uh, it's it's quite high up there, but uh, if it's something you want to do, you know, you can totally go for it. The other thing is too, right, if you're new to the game, there's so much different types of content. So you could be playing for a year and just do PvE type content and then decide to try PvP. And learning how to do PvP would take a while in itself and there's lots of achievements associated with that. Great, so what kind of pets? Oh, pets, yes. So. I mentioned mounts briefly, so a horse, but there's also different types of mounts. So I have a snow leopard mount, which is one of my favorites. There's also mm -hmm. Indric mounts, which are pretty cool. There's a wolf mount, I believe, as well. Lots of different um, mystical creatures that you can, you know, mount up on and ride all over Tamriel. Uh, as well as you, if you're interested in like cosmetics and stuff, you have the ability to have a non-combat pet. Basically, it's doesn't really do anything it's just a visual thing but it's a little pet that follows you around um and i'm personally a big fan of cats so i have a, a little uh, sigic cat following me around he's black and glows blue and occasionally he'll play with a butterfly or roll around on his back or do like a big cat stretch and it's it's pretty cute and really fun <laughs> And there's also, you know, again, lots of mystical types of pets that you can look at. And then if you're interested in, you know, that kind of side of thing, like non-combat pets, there's also housing is a big thing in the game. Yes. So lots of houses available to purchase. You can decorate, you can make your own furnishing, lots of cool stuff. A lot of times uh, guilds will have like a guild house where they'll have crafting stations available or Munda stones available or trial dummies that you can use, which is uh, quite nice. But you can also just have a little home and do some little home decorating. There are guilds that are specifically home decorating guilds, which is kind of cool. <laughs> as well as you can all look into things like your outfit, um, costuming is a big thing, um, appearance. Great. Uh, let's... I guess kind of wrap up at this point so what do you like about the game uh, do you, is there anything you'd like to see changed and you know just general ending thoughts on you know, Elder Scrolls Online so what I like most about the game is how expansive the universe is I mentioned earlier that I've been playing for about two years but I'm only like 50% done the game content so there's so much to do which makes it really exciting and you know keeps me coming back I, right now I'm working on doing some solo questing, so I'm working on finishing up all the main story quests on one character, which a lot of people don't actually do, but because I, I am into open world 
open world games, I, I would like to complete all the stories in the different zones, which has been a lot of fun going through and doing that. Um, and then the other thing I like is it's, it has a good variety between PvE, uh, solo, and PvP. So there's so much to learn, there's so much to do. I love being able to play with other players. I used to, you know, be really nervous about it, but uh, the guild I'm part of right now is super great. I've actually made some good friends. I sent nice. uh, sent them a little in-game Christmas gift uh, this year, so that was fun. And yeah, I just I love being able to play with people. I love being able to challenge myself. And it's what's great is that it, it's challenging, but it's easy to pick up, and you can keep pushing yourself to become a better player. And that's what I love about it. Great. So that's the Elder Scrolls Online. We'll be sure to talk about the optimization when it drops, and maybe future content as well. Thanks for joining and chatting about the game. Yeah, thank you for having me.